think about you know entrepreneur as the most adventurous journey that you'll find. Welcome to Founders Voyage. Our guest today considers himself a big challenges seeker who enjoys team collaboration work and feels most in his element when he is creating technical systems architecture and process solutions. Through his ag aerial startup in precision agriculture, our speaker today served as an independent senior consultant in Saigal, Guatemala using state-of-the-art technology to develop custom agriculture solutions, helping small and medium farmers improve production. He currently works for Micro, Microinsurance Catastrophe Risk Organization, as the head of Growth Guatemala and Global Senior Technology Specialist. We are honored to have Jorge Carlos Barrientos talking with us today. Thanks, Spencer. We're delighted each of you could join us today. Jorge's gonna kick us off with a presentation about his journey, and then we'll open it up for questions and discussion. Um, if you do think of any questions or comments while Jorge is speaking, please feel free to type them in the questions and discussion text channel, and we'll make sure he has the opportunity to address them. So thanks so much for being with us today, Jorge. I'm really excited. Um, feel free to, to kick off whenever you're ready. Thank you very much, Nancy, and thank you all for this opportunity. Um, it was quite a surprise, and um, really, it's a privilege for me to be here. So I salute you all. Um, I'm from, I'm, my name is Jorge Carlos Barrientos. Uh, Barrientos is my last name. Uh, we Latinos use two names. I'm from Guatemala and I'm, I'm living in Guatemala. So that's, this is my um, point of operations of um, everything that has been going through life. Nancy really kindly talked to me and said, well, you want to do a short presentation, just be part of, um, of the Founders Voyage, with her, which again is a privilege to me. To me. Sorry if I, I get confused because English is not my main language, it's Spanish. So I might have a couple of words that are not right. So I apologize in advance. And I'm going to show you just, um, well, we were talking yesterday about a presentation or how do we address this conversation. And I just want to show you uh, a timeline uh, of where did, I, where did I start or where do I think all things started uh, from the, all the way up to where I'm, where I'm at right now. Drawing these uh, points, it, uh, it reminded me of how fun it has been, but also challenging. So I'm going to be explaining you a couple of things. Um, the green point, well, it's a start point, right? Uh, so it's after this green point, we'll, we'll set it's university and a couple more jobs that I have after university. Um, I'm an electronic engineer. Um, I studied in Guatemala. Uh, and before that, I studied in... Um, in a, in a local school in Guatemala, and I did my two last years in high school in New Jersey, United States. That's why I, I, I caught up with the English part. And then all of these uh, X's, like the red X circle ones, are failures. It's like hard or hard crashes or hard failures that I had 
within this timeline, which are more. It's not only three failures, but those are the ones that I think are the biggest ones, which it's important to show because uh, it's, as the, as the title says, it's a budget, it's a budget. So it's a, a complete trip. It's a complete thing that you go in between entrepreneurship, but not, uh, not only entrepreneurship, but uh, in your lifetime, it's like try to see and try to awake yourself on what are you doing and what has taken you to the point of where you are right now. So first of all was Aprender, which I totally forgot. I forgot about this um, startup. I was working to this company, an awful company. <laughs> Probably was the worst company that I worked with. And I worked there for two years and then they fired me in the worst conditions ever. And um, I felt so miserable. And, and then I met the friend who was working with um, with this e-learning things. He was trying to program in e-learning platforms using Moodle and all of this available platforms that they, uh, well, market has and uh, he talked to me he realized that i was um without a job and he talked to me well i do have this platform if you want to help me out just to make a couple configurations build up this uh, e-learning platform um and if you do have contacts and one of the main things that i say that i that I always say is try to make contacts as a try to try to meet people because uh, contacts will let you to open new opportunities like this, like being in the Founders Bojash, uh, being in these communities, uh, you you know people, you start to know people, not only in your country, but outside your country. And it gives you a lot of opportunities to work with or just to uh, assess yourself whether you're doing the right things or not, um, or even test it. So um, he told me, well, I'm programming this if you want to help me out to program as well, but what, what I need is context. What I need is just to launch the platform. Um, and that's one thing that uh, we engineers lack of. Uh, we engineers lack of after school is uh, knowing how marketing works, um, being commercial minded as well, and also legal, legally minded. Because uh, most of the projects we work with, probably eight, uh, eight out of 10 will fail due to the legal uh, framework. Anyways, so. Um, I've started to work in this Aprende, which Aprende means in Spanish, learn. Um, we launched this uh, e-learning platform and it was a complete successful uh, platform. Um, I, had, I have been working in school with uh, all my practices with this company that it, they were teaching, um, they were giving out like trainings, like corporate trainings. And I sat down with him and told him, well, we have this platform, you should move it into digital learning. And that was 2008. Um, and it was like, well, I like it. Uh, show me a demo. And we launched Aprende. We started on a license fee thing. So um, we were licensing each user. So we, get, we, we, we were getting profit out of each user. And we started from just a normal e-learning platform, um, customized to this client, to start developing content uh, for these clients and for other clients as well. And we had banks, we've had uh, cement uh, companies. We have a lot of companies uh, that jumped in into this platform. It was a complete success. So at that point I thought, well, I found my thing. I found my company, I found my startup. And I was, um, my experience in, in working was um, not, that, not, not that big. So I'm like, wow, it's, it's a really uh, successful story. 
But then the big failure came. Um, I had issues and differences with my business partner. Then money came in and we were getting a lot of money out of this company. And uh, he started to spend money without me noticing. And well, you know, all this kind of problems that you get when, when all this uh, flux of money came, comes in. Big, big first failure, this one. And the main reason is probably I didn't choose the wrong partner. It was a good one, but he got, well, he deviated from the, from the route or from what we were thinking about that company. And then we just separated. We split the company. Uh, he took one part. I took the other one and I sold my part uh, to another company. And then I'm like, just cleaning my hands. I'm like, okay, I don't want to know anything about e-learning. I will go back to work. After this big X, I started to work with a couple of software companies, um, local ones, not, um, not international ones. In this process, uh, we came up with, uh, well, we were in this election process, presidential elections in Guatemala. So do you know all that Guatemala is a third world country? Um, I, I love my country. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't misunderstand me. Um, it's, it's a country that I love that much, but there's lots of things that we need to, to improve our country. So then I realized that um, we were in this presidential election, and uh, it was one night. I, I go to sleep very late, 2, 3 a.m., and uh, it was like 2 a.m. I sat down at my, on my desk, got online on my computer, and said, okay, I don't know who do I vote? Who do I need to vote? I don't have like a, 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 a candidates that I like or the candidates that I, I should choose from. And I went online and tried to search all this information about all these um, political parties that were um, on, on, the, on, the, on the rush or on the competition for being presidents and all these candidates. And I found none. Well, probably I just found two sides. But those two sides were just marketing and uh, publicity, and none of them had information about what's your um, government plan, what's your um, offering, and whether how how are you planning to improve the country? Uh, how do you planning to tackle all these main issues that we that we have in Guatemala? So uh, just for give you a context, in Guatemala we have different ethnics ethnics. And then we have 22 different languages. So uh, it means you need to tackle different uh, problems um, with being smart and different strategies. So that's what I'm, I was trying to find. It's like, okay, I want to see these candidates and see what they're offering, not only in publicity, but it's like the, the core thing of politics. And I found none. So I decided hmm, we should have, or there should be a website where we had all these uh, political parties get into and just uh, upload their information, put and present their plans. Um, so people like me and all this is my generation and, and lower generations will have access to see whether I like the candidate or not and take, well, just find who do I'm going to vote for. So well, I've started this Mi Voto Por Guate, which means my vote for Guatemala. Uh, Wate is the short name of Guatemala. And um, in the process, I met really amazing people. I met this uh, radio uh, presenter. She was, well, she, she became really famous, famous after, that, after that. 
Uh, but she was really, uh, she had that energy, which I lacked. Uh, and she had that, those connections. She, she was at this um, radio show, um, and she had a lot of, uh, of listeners into this radio show. And I, I also listened to her, and she was talking about this uh, necessity of knowing each candidate. So um, I contacted her and I told her, well, you know what? I'm building a website uh, with this information and I would like you to invite you as a blogger. Uh, that was my first approach to her. And um, even if you are looking for uh, to, to get a payment out of each post or article that you post, I can get you. It's like it will be significant because it's my money. I didn't ask for any, any, anyone's money, but I, I can deal with that. I have a couple of savings that I can put on it. The thing is, my, my initial thought is not being profitable or find profit out of this project. I was only thinking of, I just want to build something that people could jump in and have information. Even if I need to invest a little bit, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to invest a lot of money because I didn't have it. Um, but just invest a little bit and give that service to the people or the community. So she came in and... And the project just boom. <laughs> uh, she started to grab this uh, complete attention to the project. So I realized, well, I'm not the, the, the one that it's um, gathering or just uh, as the, the gathering point of people. Uh, where do you get to critical mass users? And when we launched the site, we have like 10,000 hits the first day. Uh, and then we had 7,000, 8,000 users and uh, visitors to our website daily. So it was a huge success. Um, and then we start to have these companies and uh, associations coming in, offering us money to help us out because it, it, it had a really good impact. We had a really um, um, a, a, a set of, of bloggers. Uh, we had like eight or nine different bloggers in different perspectives, politicians, um, economic students, um, engineering students, and all of these uh, really nice bloggers that were uh, writing articles about whether the plants were empty, whether the plants were nonsense, or, oh, you know, this, this candidate has a really good plan. And what she's offering or, or what he's offering could tackle the problems that we have. So we had this reading process and everyone was interacting within the website. So they offered us money and I said, no. So one of the first things that I talked to the, to the people, because we started to, and then the whole group became to be like 20 people working in the same project. Um, we're not getting any money because money can just distort um, or change your mind whether what you're doing. And I had that experience with my previous business partner. So I'm like, no, I'm not putting any amounts of money into this project. If you want to help us out, just buy the things that we need. T-shirts, uh, give us a radio spot, give us um, speakers, a band that we can carry all the things and make like these rallies and the center of, uh, on, the, on the central park that we had in our country. So um, this one was a huge success. Um, at the end, um, well, I didn't have that much KPIs to measure the, the, the quality of success, but visitors, all the people that came in, um, we did a rally all this in the streets and we, we, we were 1,400 uh, 10, I think, 
people marching and they were like all young people my my age and younger than me and they had they made all these uh, their own things that me Wotaprawate and they were like yeah you we are hiring you we are your bosses so you candidates need to show us your information because we are not dumb anymore in voting um so it was, it was a i still have ghost bumps um because <laughs> it was really fun so after this, um, then we, ha we had a, um, an elected president and the project came in into, well, for me, I, I didn't think about just keeping the project for the whole time. I was just that point. I was interested in just creating that. And for me, it was a really um, uh, uh, interesting learning um, project. And then I, I put the project in charge of uh, someone else's name and well, everything went, up, went down. But uh, the first time it was really successful. So this project led me to a TEDx invitation. It was a TEDx at the project that we you And um, I know you're working in software and everything else. So we are having this event and we want to invite you. Um, please show or the topic that you should choose is something that empowers people on how to create projects. So my idea was, let's do a talk about not all ideas are green in terms of not everything that you do is looking out for profit. Um, you can do things without thinking of, of being profitable, profitable or not. And don't get me wrong, it's not, you, you have to be sustainable, but don't, don't have the, the initial mindset of, okay, I'm going to be making money and being sustainable. But my, my first or my main idea is make money. Uh, that was my perspective. It's not that I, making money is wrong. No, it's not. But that's the way that I thought. And uh, I gave this talk about not all ideas are green in terms of, um, well, you, sh you can do, you can think about ideas or solutions or projects without thinking of profit as the, as the main perspective or the main goal. And then everything will come. And I had that experience with uh, the previous project. It's like, I didn't think about um, how much money do I have? Do I get? Do I need to get more money? It's like just go in, jump in, uh, take the risk, and then things will come, and people will come, and then you'll find the right partners, the right people that will help you out just to push or launch your idea. So they, this one was a positive result, a really good positive result, and it opened me um, a set of opportunities. So then I have a, a, a companies coming to me and said, you know what, we want to hire you as a consultant. And at this point, I, I wasn't working at a company. I, I, I worked and then I launched this and I was working at the company, but then I realized it was taking a lot of uh, time from me. So I quit. Um, it was a risky decision, but I quit. Um, and then I had these uh, companies asking me for consultancies. And they were like, well, you know what? We have this project and we want you to help us out just to structure the whole project and help us launch it. It's a time to market thing. So just help us put this into market, uh, put this into implementation. And it wasn't that much into software development. It was just uh, uh, the idea, the whole project management thing of how to push a project or how to push an idea. Um, so... In that process, I met really interesting people and a lot of really interesting initiatives. And I learned as well all this um, company and corporation structure within my country. Um, then, so I, I've started to work in this consultancy. I was a consultant. 
I've started to work in a software company as well, which is called um, Schumach. It was a company working with Adobe doing really interesting things. Um, so it was the process that I was working half-time a company, well, as a part-time in the company, and then everything was consultancies. And then I realized that I, I wasn't doing anything interesting for myself, or not for myself, but something that I will... It was really good. I was doing really nice, uh, really good money at this point. Um, but I, I thought, well, it's, I need to do something that really pushed me into challenges. And um, so in this process, I met really interesting people and really smart people as well. So I met a group, um, engineers, software engineers and developers. Um, and then we created this thing called Bihui. Um, it was Bihui is a bird uh, that is, is a black bird, is an ugly bird in in Guatemala. And uh, we created this and we started to draft ideas on how to create video games. So as I love video games. So you can see my background. Um, and I, it's video games is part it's a really part of is an important part of my life. Um, I don't have that much time right now to play, but still. Uh, so we started to think, well, how do we develop video games? How do how can we enter into the video game industry? Thinking about just dreaming. And we were like, we could be video game developers, like not no thinking about just a huge PS4 platform video game, but just mobile video games. It was a huge thing. So we entered to this Square Enix contest, uh, Latin, Latin American contest. So Square Enix is this video game, video game developer firm. And um, we entered really late. The, the contest had already started and it has like three months and we had two months to, um, to deliver our solution or our proposal. And in this two months, um, we rented this small apartment and we were eight of us in that apartment working from 9 p.m. to probably 5 a.m. Uh, that apartment had, had a shower, so we took showers and then we all went to work. We slept a little bit. It, it felt like an MIT bootcamp thing. <laughs> um, so we developed this solution. We developed this game called Planetron. Uh, it was a simple game. It was a simple board game because we were really into board games, but it was a simple board game into a mob, into the mobile, um, um, into, into the cell phone and a mobile solution. And we did all the things, the music, everything else. We did it as a group, and we had so much fun. And uh, we ended up in the finals. We did not win, um, but it was a complete experience. Like two months, something from scratch, just an idea, it was a hobby, and then we ended up in the in, in, in the finals. We were really happy. It was a, a successful point, and uh, we did not win, but that opened us as a group opportunities with a casino firm. So they realized, I don't know how, really, I don't. Uh, but they approached us, well, they called me out and they said, they told me, well, I know you're developing games and we have this problem with this casino game things and we want to migrate our, our games to a web platform. Could you help us out? And we're like, okay, but uh, we're not like an official company. We're just a group of friends doing something that we like. And they were like, well, what do you need? It's like, well, we're renting this apartment. Uh, would you pay the rent of that apartment? Uh, that will be our main office. And we cannot work uh, normal hours. It will be at night because everyone ha had a job. And they agreed with it. So we had two jobs now, working uh, a part-time slash full-time all nights. But it, took, it came to a point that I was 
so tired. Uh, <laughs> uh, working all nights without sleeping, it just weakens and things. Uh, it was a complete experience. And then after that, uh, I sold my part on that casino company. They, they bought my part. Uh, they retained most of my friends in the company. Uh, most of them, they sold their parts as well because we were all a, 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 a solution. And then I went back into working uh, as a normal job, as a normal employee. Why? Because I thought, well, I need that experience working with multinationals, just looking into different um, project management frameworks, developing frameworks, technologies, and things that I didn't have access uh, on my own. So I, I, I was thinking about, well, it's, it's, time, it's a time of my life that I need to get more experience on how to work with different markets. I know that I can, um, that I can do things, but I still need more experience. I felt that I, I, I lacked that, that experience. So I went to work with uh, these telecommunications companies, and I, I also worked with Xerox in that time, um, which I learned a lot. Um, it taught me different ways of, of perspectives. Uh, I went to Six Sigma and all of these frameworks and, and trainings, and uh, it, it gave me this, um, this knowledge and expertise that I wanted to, to build up. But in parallel, I still had this software startup. So I was working with these multinationals, but I was looking into small software development projects. Uh, a couple of friends in this gaming uh, adventure were working with me as well. So we had this small company with the same name, with the same gaming name, Pihui, with the, the black, uh, black bird. And then we started to build up another company and we went all the way up, like as it was a parallel thing. I didn't, I didn't stop working as multinationals because I thought, well, it's a really uh, a, a important experience point for me. But I want to be also an entrepreneur. So I had the startups in parallel with my uh, with my job, and then I had this failure point as well because um, I had a really life experience thing. So it was a personal family thing. Uh, it changed the whole view of my life. Um, it stopped me in a, of, uh, in, in a couple of, well, I had a couple of dreams. I had a couple of things that I work on. Um, and then this happens, something that I did not have control of, and boom, everything went down. So I stayed in Guatemala and tried to figure out, well, what would I do with my life? If I continue with my own startup, or why should I move to another company? what would happen when this um microinsurance company which i never heard of i never heard about microinsurance as well i knew about uh, uh microfinance but not microinsurance it was a completely new word for me and they sent me a message in linkedin telling me well you know what we've seen your um, profile and we have a recommendation from at this point i don't know who um so we would like to invite you to apply to this position and when i was starting to see it in the, the terms of the, the terms of reference for this position i had none experience under my insurance the only experience that i had was software development and try to push projects and um in that entrepreneur or startup thing uh, and I told uh, Josh, which now, well, now we're really good friends. Uh, he's working from the uh, the Asian Development Bank. Uh, I told him, well, Josh, you know what? I don't have, 
an idea of what microinsurance is, and I really don't have the experience to apply for that position. And he told me, well, you know what, we're we're not looking for a finance uh, background thing, it's we're looking for uh, someone that has that is in within technology, but has the experience of working different startups. Um, that that challenge, he has experience or he has the vision of being into a challenge because uh, we are the startup as well. This is not a, a, a well-established company, but this is a startup. We're entering into a new market with a new solution. So we want that uh, from you. So I'm like, okay, if you want me to, I can apply. And I applied, they interviewed me, and then I ended up working in Micro, which is the company that I'm, I'm currently working with. Um, so it's microinsurance, which is we are working into parametric microinsurance, uh, catastrophe risk oriented. So what does that mean is we are not using the normal, uh, traditional insurance. It's, um, parametric claims. So each of the parameters that we get from, um, this report agencies with, which are NASA, USGS, NOAA, and all of these European satellites that we have. It's we get all this information, all these binaries, um, we calculate those, we derivate all this data, and we find out if some climate or catastrophe trigger goes on, then we issue a report and then the insurance company will pay it automatically um, to, these, uh, to the clients. So the client does, they don't go and do a normal claim, they don't go into a normal process, they just get the insurance, which is, my, is micro, because we go to the base of the pyramid. It's a really cheap insurance. Uh, and since they don't know about insurance companies, they, this is an unattended market. So they haven't had any insurance experience. Uh, we couldn't go to it with a traditional solution. So it's like, just hire your insurance and we will pay you. So we will send you an SMS just telling you, well, you know what? Uh, this storm happened and then you're, you have a, a deposit, a deposit in your bank account or your credit, we subtracted this amount of money from, uh, from your debt because we paid as, as the indemnization of the insurance. So um, it was really, it is, because it, it's still, it's really challenging. It's really, uh, I've learned a lot. It's like working with uh, satellites, working with uh, data sets, working, uh, understanding climate change, which I had none idea. I just uh, saw a couple of uh, articles and shows in Nat Geo and Discovery Channel and everything else, but I never got into climate change. Um, and then the the most amazing part was working with this unattended segments, uh, working with this base of the pyramid uh, markets. Oh my God, it was a life-changing changing experience. It's a, it a different set of clients. Uh, I, I was coming from um, corporate clients. I was coming from, from uh, casino players, clients, and all of these uh, type of different clients. But then when you realize that these people are in a constant need, they won't put money on it. Uh, but when you realize that you're putting money on it, taking a huge risk, because it is a huge risk, um, you see how thankful they are. You, you go to the field. I wasn't working in the field as well, and that at micro push me into work in the field working as well. So it's like observation. And you learn that in the MIT bootcamp. They say, you need to observe, you need to observe, and you need to observe. So it's observation on how do they tackle um, these uh, climate uh, catastrophes. Uh, what do they do after these climate catastrophes? So what they normally do is 
Well, they do. They don't want to fail the bank on the on the credit because the bank is the only one that is trusting them. So what they do is they sell their their actives. They sell the pigs, cows, whatever they have, all their assets, or they take kids out of school. So that's those are the main two points. And uh, so I won't be delayed with my credits with the bank or the cooperatives that is giving me the money to operate or being productive. So um, it was really interesting. It, it is a life-changing experience. And I said, okay, so at this point, I understood this is where I need to be working with the rest of my life. In terms of this is the market segment I really fell in love with. Um, I don't want to, it's not that I'm telling you that the corporate thing is bad. No, it's not. Uh, I still have a couple of consultancies from, corpor- uh, from corporations. Um, but the segment that I want to be the rest of my life, it's this segment, is the unattended markets, is the most needed markets uh, in terms of people that they don't have access, uh, people that are unattended because they think or they, uh, companies think uh, it's not a potential market to work with. Um, so I know I've been talking a lot. <laughs> uh, I get really passionate, sorry. And after this microinsurance, then the agriculture startup came in. By the way, I had the software parallel. I still have the software uh, parallel solution in terms of we are, are software developers and different software. We've been jumping in different technologies. Right now, we're, work, we're working with a blockchain, and it has been a, a, an amazing journey as well, um, being developing blockchain. But micro played a really important role because what got me into blockchain was micro. <laughs> Uh, we had Mercy Corps that told us, well, you know what, there's this new technology that is working and we want to make uh, sure that we are on top of it if it's eligible or if it's potentially uh, doable or if not. So they called me out. They said, Jorge, I'm going to put you in this um, in this group of people that is going to be thinking of ideas and seeing if blockchain could be applied to our um, line of business or not. Um, so I'm like, okay. So I've started to read a lot of blockchain and realized, wow, this is an amazing technology. Uh, we did, we ended up to have a, just one solution for the microinsurance and um, and microfinance. Um, but the thing is that we did not pursue that solution at the beginning because it was quite expensive. So co- the blockchain consultancies were wow, uh, sky prices. Um, but then on my own part, I told my, my, my business partners, my friends, well, you know what, blockchain is a really interesting point. And we started to compete with these um, Caribbean competitions of blockchain solutions and uh, local blockchain solutions as well. And uh, we, we, we started to work with uh, like founding this blockchain awareness uh, group in Guatemala and making these um, blockchain presentations, what is blockchain, not only about cryptos, but the process of being traceable, transparent, and permanent. Um, but it's micro-triggered that. And then micro-triggered the agriculture startup. Um, why? Because we were managing a lot of data sets uh, from satellites, um, but much, m- most of that data, we're not, we were not using it. Uh, it was a deep, 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 depreciated data uh, in terms of um, it's a really relevant data, but for our operation, for the microinsurance, we're not using it. Well, we will not be using it. And then I'm like, wow, there's an opportunity. We could be using this knowledge and the data that we're not using, but we're gathering that data, but how can we use it for agriculture?
culture and how can we start at this um, um, remote sensing and smart agriculture solutions to the unattended markets? Again, I wasn't thinking corporates. I wasn't thinking big companies. I was thinking about world. Well, I know this uh, agriculture sector, all these small farmers, they gather up as cooperatives and these cooperatives are clients are really interested in, uh, they do have money, they do manage money. Uh, so they can be sustainable. We can think about a sustainable solution. And I approached this uh, drone company in Spain called Sigel. They were really big. Um, and I told them, well, you know what? I, I knew that they were trying to get into the drone and solutions into the Central American market. But then again, they were really expensive. Their drones are $125,000 per drone. So I'm like, I talked to Miguel. He was a Spanish guy, which is a really good friend. And I told well, Miguel, you know what? You're wasting a lot of effort trying to put uh, these expensive machines. Why not use normal or household drones or something not that uh, specific? But not only drones, but try to find solutions using satellite data and try to derivate that data with ground solutions. Meaning we could use drones, or we can use um, uh, weather stations, or we can use ground um, underground sensors. So um, he liked the idea, so he, he, put he, he put money on it, and we started to draft the whole process. And then FAO came in. And FAO was launching this process, and I met someone from Telefonica, which is this uh, Spanish telco company. And um, this person I met, I met her because in a in startup um, like this, founders rally that we had in, in the city, and uh, then I make, uh, made really good friends, and she told me, well, you know what, I got your contact, so let's talk. And she told me, well, you know, in Telefonica, we're pushing this startup about uh, smart agriculture. And uh, they told me you're working something similar, so what I want to see your solution. So um, to make it fast, uh, we ended up working in the Telefonica um, project and a pilot with FAO. So they Telefonica paid everything. They paid all the equipment, they paid all the consultancies, they paid all the hours, and we were like the clients, the vendors for Telefonica, but we were the ones that we were that, that are impl implemented and tested. So it, it is it's still a pilot. Uh, due to the pandemic, we stopped lots of operations because uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't travel to the communities. We couldn't travel outside El Salvador because this pilot was in El Salvador, not, not in Guatemala. Um, but it, was a, it is a huge challenge. Uh, you're, you cannot think only in, in technology, but you need to think about solutions, about how do you make the training, mm -hmm. how do you create all these important uh, documents. So this is me right now. I'm this a small arrow. Um, these are the three main projects I'm working with, and this is where I ended up. The one thing that I have clear is I want to keep working in this segment. I want to keep working for, for these unattended markets, and I want to keep thinking about these solutions. That's why I got enrolled into the MIT boot camps, and then with Nancy, which, which uh, where I met Nancy in the impact um, bootcamp as well, is how to create solutions that will have impact, but they need to be sustainable. So I will let you guys make any questions you, if you have. Sorry, I'm struggling to unmute myself. No, no need to apologize. Never apologize for being passionate. We love that. Um, I was joking on the side though that because you and I got to have a conversation before this um, 
that I I asked you all of these questions and you did such a good job kind of summarizing your very, you know, complex journey um, in in really just a short amount of time. I know it's hard to to sum all of that up. So I really like that you gave as as someone that is always trying to, you know, learn from the past and use that information to, you know, make a better future for myself and others. I love that you you really seem to be able to visualize that for yourself and you used that term uh, you know, your hard fade transitions. Um I think we've all experienced some of those, but um that that's a very unique uh thing that I haven't heard before. So I appreciated you explaining that and sort of how one event in your life sort of catalysted uh, so many of the others um, and, and your passion about sustainability. Wondering if you wouldn't mind, you know, delving into the unattended markets and kind of how you want to see that grow in Guatemala and in other areas of the world, because I know that's something you're particularly passionate about. Yeah, for sure. That definition I learned in Miklo. Uh, I didn't know anything about unattended markets. Uh, and what is an unattended market? Well, I saw the first example with insurance. Um, you have, we're in Guatemala and Central America. We're located in a, in, in a place, well, in, in, a, in a sector or, a, or an area that is all, um, it's always getting all this climate. Uh, changed well, all this catastrophe, natural catastrophe. So we're really exposed. It's, a, an, it's an exposed region uh, where we get uh, annually storms, uh, tropical storms, um, and then we have these uh, huge droughts. So it's a, it's, it's a really exposed sector. It's a really exposed region. And then you have all of these people that are making their own, well, it's as a... Um, it's a self-production um, farming in terms of they produce their own food. Um, they're not going into markets, but it's, um, how, do you, how do you call it? Sorry, I forgot the name. It's um, subsistence farming. So um, it's their farming. Uh, what they do for, for farm is just to feed themselves, to feed their families. And uh, if they have an extra production, they will take it to the local markets. But then again, it's a, it's a segment that it has uh, so low amount of money and they have uh, they have they don't they don't have any solutions they don't have any opportunities the the credits or the financial services they're able to apply for are really expensive uh and the other ones that are cheap is there's a lot of requirements that they're not eligible for it so um those are these unattended markets why because it's a huge uh, it's a huge part of the population uh in guatemala we're almost 15 million uh people and you can say that more than fifth, more than sixty percent are in this situation. So it's the people that are just producing and just working for themselves, just to make them uh, available, a food available for their families. And uh, they're looking for, to grow. They're looking to sell things into different markets. But then they have all these uh, natural catastrophes coming on daily on, on a daily basis. And uh, then and the government is really. I don't want to say it's it's really bad because uh, they do have a couple of really good initiatives, but in general uh, they don't. <laughs> so you cannot rely on the government or the solutions that they do, they do have. 
So and the insurance thing is it is a risk, a really risky solution to work this segment and mostly to offer a catastrophe insurance, knowing that each year you will have a drought that's uh, triggered uh, and you will have storms triggered. So that means that you will be paying. It's not an insurance like a car insurance that uh, they will pay only if you crash or it's going to be a one-time thing in every three years. Or if you're a really good, bad driver, then you will have it on a more constant basis. Um, but that will uh, that will end up to being more expensive because your premium is going to be ne more expensive next year because uh, you're more uh, you, you're sinister. Uh, you're you're more risk to it, to cover. So when insurance companies are well, this is a segment that we don't want to work. It's too risky, uh, and also not only is too risky, but there's too much to invest. You need to invest in um, on financial education. You need to educate them because they don't know a thing about insurance uh, and how and what will be a solution to attend them. Because if you we, if we go to the traditional things or your or just things that are are been doing as they are, you're gonna be finding a lot of uh, of problems, a lot of blockers uh, to attend this part because most of them are they don't know how to read. They don't know how to write, uh, so you need to be really creative on creating uh, these documentations or these things that you're showing to them. Well, you have an insurance, and you need to work. Uh, you need to claim claim it like this, or there's not going to be a claim. But you're going to be putting satellites, and they're going to be asking, "What's a satellite?" Um, so it's a really challenging part, and companies are not interested in. So when I entered Mikro, it was so uh, it was so nice. It was so um, uh, passionate about it. They were like they had already a big player in 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 it. So it's Swiss Re, which is the second biggest ranger in the world, uh, and they were willing to put money. They were willing to take the risk um, of insuring this segment. So the complete challenge was that okay. So what will be the solutions? What will be a relevant coverage? What will be um, the things that we need to cover? What will be the pearls that we need to think about a coverage of covering? Uh, what are the things that drives these unattended markets to um, being uh, being more poor, or take the kids out of school, or just sell their own assets, and they're into that poverty circle, uh, and they never go out? So that's the big challenges about unattended markets. There's a lot of things you need to do. Uh, in order to launch a product. But once you do it, well, if you do it right, the impact is huge. Um, you'll see it. And you need to define really well your KPIs. You need to define really well what you're going to be measuring. If it's poverty, if it's uh, um, uh, assets, asset continuity, or farming, whatever. But once you start to see it and how grateful and thankful these segments are, you fell in love with it. So same thing for small agriculture, and uh, it will be the same thing for other uh, financial services. It's most uh, the main need is finance, as the financial services um, they're lack for, and why? Because that makes you well. That makes the the will goes on and on because you need money to invest. You need uh, uh, access to really cheap credits so you can pick, you can put money on your on that farming part. And if you have an insurance, that means whenever a catastrophe happens, you're not spending more money. You're spending what the insurance is paying, so you can continue that process of product of, of production 
And in the best cases is you're going to be investing that money into more production. So you're going to be more productive and slowly you're going to be out of that poverty cycle. Um, so that's one of the main of the main goals. And the other one is that we've realized is the lack of empathy um, to these segments. Wow, it's huge. You have a lot of companies or a lot of investors that are just thinking about an idea and they say, okay, let's put, let's take the insurance as an example. Let's create an insurance in this, uh, in this region. But there's a lot of things that they do not know about that community, uh, about how do they behave. And that's the lack of empathy. That's the lack of knowledge of how do they behave. So um, they, and they, they invest huge amounts of money that in time, they're lost or they're not sustainable. So projects will be successful for one year or two years at the most, and then everything is just going to be over. All the, these capacities that you built are going down, and you're going to start from zero again. So you're going to be building again this community and telling them, well, you know what? This project that I'm bringing right now is going to be successful. It's not going to be like the other one. And they will tell you, well, you know what? We have organizations coming in, and we did this, and we did the other one, and we created this uh, uh, bakery um, process. And now there's a bakery. We do not we, we do not find that a, a company. Well, we do not find that a company or the organization just gave us the money. They build this, but we do not know how to keep going, how to continue, and that's a lack of empathy of how do they work? Because probably. A bakery is not the main necessity, and the main necessity is access to an insurance or as road, as uh, uh, communications access. Uh, they have really bad roads, meaning probably it's three, four kilometers, which is not far. And when you see it in Google Earth, you see, well, it's, it's really near from the, uh, from the big, big, big village. But then to access that three, four, five kilometers, it takes you probably one hour in car. And you cannot enter it with a normal car. It has to be like this huge four by four. Then you said, okay, if it's one hour in car, how much time will it will take them to go by walking? So it's like three to four hours. And if it's raining, so you have all of these problems that um, organizations, companies, and even local regulators are not aware of. So that's a lack of empathy in this segments. Um, and that's something we're working right now with a, a group of friends, uh, trying to build out these solutions on how to create empathy uh, for the projects you are proposing. Is get to know your users, get to know your segment, uh, your your communities, get to know the the entire um, surroundings of that place you want to work with and that project you want to work with. Uh, not only how the how the community works, but also all the stakeholders you have outside. The regulation. The regulation is a huge thing. It happens to us. Uh, well, it, it really hit us in the blockchain solutions. We came up with eleven solutions, and just one was approved. Was uh, one went through the regulations approvals. So it's like the other ones were really good, were really nice, and were really uh, with the legal framework. You cannot do it. The regulation regulations are just. Um, trying to approve laws or approve uh, regulations that are going with other countries, but then realize that the, the scheme in our country is totally different. 
So that's one of the of the things that we're pushing in within my country. And I know we share a lot of this um, main problems and main issues to other countries, not only Latin America, but you can go to Bangladesh, you can go to India, you can go to uh, Asia, like a lot of countries that are facing the same issues, are facing the same problems and are sharing as well most of the same culture in terms of all these rural producers, rural farmers, and uh, these uh, small businesses producers. So yeah, so Guatemala is a is a is a pink is like the base point, but we were, we are working as well in that um, in that um, empathy project in a Bangladesh project as well with with my friends. So it's it could be global. You can expo you can expand it global. You can scale it in a global solution. Jorge Carlos, thank you so much for going through all of that. I think the point you make about empathy is super important. And I feel like so many people don't appreciate how different the situations can be in different places in the world. Now, this question's much more of an engineer's question. What are your thoughts of sort of developing technologies that are like adapted specifically for that environment? And do you think that's a potential solution path? Well, that's a really good question, Spencer. Um, it's a it's, it's a huge challenge. I think I, I don't have the 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 a real solution for it. Is when we started to design, because um, I I got into Micro to design the platform, and uh, me and my team we designed the calculation platform, which is the entire software platform that gathers all this health, satellite information, processes it, and it has a lot of uh, mathema mathematical algorithms. Uh, that define which point is triggering how much, how how many millimeters of rain, and etc. Um, when we start to design this process, we we well, one of the main thing is well, our CEO told us it has to be cheap. So keep in mind of maintenance. Maintenance has to be cheap because our solution is cheap. We're not getting a, lo a lot of profit out of a, or margin out of the each insurance uh, prime. So think about develop something cheap. But then you have this challenge of, okay, it's going to be cheap or it has to be cheap, but you're aiming to a technology that hasn't been developed. Or if it, if it is, it's, um, it's in an expensive scale. Um, so that was one of the main points of trying to build something in-house because we, we looked first into global solutions. We couldn't find one that adapts into the things that we were looking into our specific country because we launched we have the insurance company in uh, well we have the insurance product in guatemala el salvador colombia and mexico so each country is different and they have different triggers and they have different problems and they have different perils but we needed to develop a platform that could attend all of these countries in the same platform we started to look at for the solutions in the market and we couldn't find them we couldn't find a, a, a something that is adapted of um, not only being cheap, the custom calculations that we were doing and all these mathematical algorithms that we were putting in, but also thinking about it needs to scale. And if I, we found a couple of ones, but when we were th when we thought about scaling, wow, it came out really expensive. So it's like, okay, you can operate this one product, which is going to be cheap, uh, but afterwards you want to scale up, then you're going to be paying these fees and licenses, and the product is not going to be sustainable since to unattended markets, it's a really small margin that you're working with. Um, so we decided to develop an in-house platform, complete challenge. Thank God we achieved it. Uh, we delivered a really, uh, a really a good platform that is still working, still attending these markets. 
we're making a, a general uh, change right now. We're switching to a different um, software architecture because uh, we didn't thought about scaling up that fast. <laughs> Uh, and then we realize all these problems that you find out about um, performance and then data management, everything else. And then when we were implementing these specific solutions, we got into a problem of how do you explain or how do you put those solutions into these segments, into these users that are not using technology, that are not using smartphones, that are not using internet. It was so much easier just to develop a mobile application and put all of these triggers and all this information that you could put them in and just give it to the user. But then it will be a, a waste of money because they're not using applications. And if they do have access to data, they spend their data in WhatsApp, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, so uh, it's not they're, gone, they're not going to be spending their data uh, plans into looking into an application. So we came back to the design desk again and went up to, well, we need to use SMS. So try to grab all this information and put them into an SMS uh, script, an SMS uh, solution, and the SMS will be our uh, entry point with the client. So you have this huge technology and then you cannot use like the normal technology channels that will, that will enhance your solution. But then you go. You need to go ten years back and um, to start to think about. Okay, how can I use the SMS? And then you have lack of access in data. And then you have lack of access on on data plans and SMS plans as well. Wrapping up the question. Yes, unfortunately, you need to develop. You need to develop custom solutions for these markets. Unattended markets are unattended markets. Uh, you won't find a, a general solution in the markets because they're focused in different uh, segment markets. So for this, you maybe you can grab uh, a platform, a, a open source platform, open source framework or software, and but you need to customize it. And you need to do a lot of customization to attend this kind of markets. And when you realize that you cannot just use the easy solutions or the most technology solutions, you need to go back 10 years back and uh, use previous technologies to try to grab your solution into previous technologies. So right now we're using top-notch technology in the calculations. Uh, how do we calculate? How do we extract data from NASA? How do we extract data from USGS and NOAA and all these satellites? But for the user, it's SMS. It's a 10-year thing. It's not any, wow, what a technology. Even our... Our front end, it's so simple. It's like the simplest thing ever. So you wouldn't think that it has a lot of uh, a lot of thought and a lot of, uh, uh, of technology on it, but it is a custom developed. And right now that we're switching to another solution, we went outside again, tried to find another solution. We found two companies, but 80% of the development will be custom as well. Yeah, thanks so much for um, describing that. And, and thanks to Spencer, too, for having that engineer's mindset and asking such a good question. Um, building off of that just a little bit, I, I know you and I both took the recent impact pilot. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, how, how you actually approach um, trying to monetize some of these solutions for the unattended markets. Um, because I can definitely see some challenges when you're trying to help a certain group of people and there's not necessarily um, a lot of capital to work with. 
So how do you go about thinking that about that? And has that changed as you've educated yourself? Well, you need to be sustainable. And that means, as you mentioned, Nancy, that means money. Um, so what I've been experiencing, experienced, uh, it's you need to rely on investments. You need to rely on uh, probably um, grants, um, micro-operated -oper first based on grants. So we have this uh, Swiss government grant, we have this German government grant, and then we have a uh, U.S. government grant. And that helped us out to build the, the base, the framework, the solution, thinking about how are we going to be sustainable for, but for that design part, we needed that push. We needed that uh, money to go into. So it's uh, for impact investments, you will need to go and look or search for that investment or search for that grant or apply to a grant. Um, in the agricultural um, startup, we ended up getting financed by Telefonica. It was a grant uh, for them because they were trying to pilot this smart agriculture solution. So that grant helped us out to buy equipment, develop the software, pilot all of this uh, traveling to El Salvador and hiring a local technician to operate this uh, hardware and training. So um, to a first push, you need to look for a grant, but keep in mind that you need to design ahead of being sustainable. So that means at one point the grant will end up <laughs> and you cannot be looking out for more grants. It's, uh, it, it wouldn't be a sustainable thing just keeping keep going in, into a grant, into a grant, another grant. Because at some point, grants are not going to be going to be available. So you need, and, and also you need to show the grant, uh, the grantees, the ones that are giving you that money, is okay that this project could be sustainable and I can scale it up. So you need to think about scale up, uh, scaling on uh, uh, projects. Is killing them in users, user scales, or there was an example in the impact. Um, you remember this guy that he was working with this uh, Moringa thing solution, uh, where they created this machine and they were getting oil at this Moringa tree in Africa. Well, he said something that I was uh, I liked so much that they they were arguing about scaling up in users, having more people using their machines to make the oil or scaling up in companies that are buying uh, your oil. So that means what I'm finding or I'm just arguing about, if I need to scale up in impact in terms of how many users do I have, I have 20,000 farmers in the Moringa, or do I need to, to, to improve or scale up in how much money I'm, I'm, I'm creating or, or I'm doing to help them out? So those are the things that you need to think in the design of that solution. It's whether that point of scaling up is in users or will, will be in income, will be in amount of, of primes that you're getting out of the insurance, how many, how much money you're getting out of the of, of the each prime you're you're selling of these insurance solutions, or no, you know what? I need to get up to five hundred thousand users, five hundred thousand uh, insured people to make ourselves sustainable. So that's part of the design process. And then you're starting to see what will be your profit strategy, what will be your earnings strategy, and try to aim that point, try to aim that skill point, try to aim that, uh, um, that uh, KPI to reach that sustainability point, which is not easy. It's really hard. 
Um, we have been found that a challenge in micro. It's whether we go for um, insured people, insurers, uh, insured um, amounts of, uh, well, uh, amounts of insurance uh, in the market, or we have another line as like uh, companies or organizations like the UN is hiring us as consultants to design insurance or to design climate solutions. And that's another, um, that's another revenue streams that you find in the process you're creating your product. So you will be finding this uh, potential revenue stream, uh, another revenue stream, the streams, and those are the ones that are, will give you sustainability. So you need to be um, open-minded on what else you can do within your project. Thank you very much, Jorge Carlos. Now, given the time, we've kind of got one question that we like to ask as a sort of wrap-up question at the end about any advice or what the best lesson or the words of wisdom that you have to share with us would be. So it's very much free to whatever you feel like you'd like to ask, but if you have any sort of lessons that you'd like to share with us at this point, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. um, I thank you very much for this opportunity. And I I loved, I love that, that, um, uh, that connecting dots speech that um, Steve Jobs gave to Stanford University. And I really found it right now. It's really useful to stay, to see. And Nancy mentioned it is when you go to the past and you see how the past helped you to build uh, your current yourself, uh, your current you, uh, how the past helped you to get into the point you're working with or what you're doing right now, or how do you end up to know, well, this is where I want to be. This is my passion. This is where I want to be. Uh, uh, spend the rest of my life working in. So it's try to connect those dots in the past. Um, and then it's filter life with adventures. Um, being an entrepreneur is a complete adventure. Uh, it will it will make you build stories to tell, um, good stories, bad stories. But when you're connecting those stories to the past, uh, those connecting dots thing, as you realize, wow, all this path that I came in and each of the things that had happened may help me to achieve this point or achieve this or being at this point right now where I'm really happy for it. Um, and the other one will be think about failure as a teacher. Think about this failure, failing points, or if you fail in your startup, if you fail in your idea, or your project is definitely not going, uh, try to that failure. Dennis Whitley said, failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. So it's failure is delayed, not defeat. So do not defeat yourself, uh, be defeated for failure, but once again, connecting dots is just go to the past and see what that taught me. Uh, what were the lessons that I learned about it? Uh, and that failure helped me out to realize, well, I'm not going to do this as this or this way that I was doing it. I'm going to be improving or probably this segment or this market of or I'm not good at this point. So I need to think about different things. So yeah, those, were, those are my, my wrap up thing is Try to connect your past with your current uh, yourself and your future. Um, create adventures. Think about being an entrepreneur as the most adventurous journey that you'll find. And do not see failure as fail, but 
make make lessons out of failure out of failure and they uh, and it will make you grow a lot i love that i as a person that um often fears failure i i'm gonna really take your words to heart um especially just seeing all of the things that you've been able to accomplish thus far and i i know we definitely need to stay in touch because uh, I know this is really just the beginning for you. Thank you so much uh, for all of your insights and, and wisdom and, um, and describing your journey to us, Jorge Carlos. Yeah, thank you so much again and um, have a great day or evening ahead, everyone. Take care. Thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome. It was, it was really nice to meet you and thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been Nancy and Spencer on Founders Voyage Weekly Podcast. Our speaker each week can be reached through our Discord server. Our intro and outro music is from the song Something for Nothing by Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, have a great day and continue your voyage.